Hey team, it's Matt Drinkon here. And you might have heard, my brand new book releases on Amazon on March 8th. It's been a labor of love that I think can really help you navigate some of the challenges you're experiencing in your own life. I go over toxic positivity and how to think you're in it for everyone else. In reality, you're in it for yourself. And I express that through this entire book and help learn from our own mistakes and how to turn the lens on ourselves and ask good questions. So go to Amazon on March 8th and you can get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. That's it for me. Let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Eternal Optimist podcast this week. I'm your host, Coach Matt Drinkon, and I'm excited to bring you an amazing story today of overcoming uh, enormous odds and talking about overcoming enormous odds for one moment. This is something each and every one of us faces in our daily lives. It's something that each and every one of us has faced growing up in some way, shape or fashion, whether it was parents, whether it was bullies, whether it was poverty, whether it was the fear of where our next meal would come from. Are we going to be able to eat? Or the fear of actually knowing where we're going to sleep. If it was the fear of not getting love or, or some type of emotional challenge with the family. If it was a fear of being abused, whatever it may have been, whatever it may still be, we all have stuff. And I can tell you this, that I've got stuff. The guy I'm talking to today, Mr. Mike Abramowitz, he had some serious stuff and he shares it like an open book today. Team, I fell in love with this man today in the most amazing way. He inspired me. Uh, I was moved to tears almost a couple times in this discussion. He overcomes so much to get to where he's at in his life right now. At one point in this discussion, there's a sound in the background and it is uh, live in real time. His son uh, is actually on a ventilator right now in the other room as we recorded this and his son, and there's some issues and challenges there and opportunities for, for love and leaning in and just being uh, being open and living life with a peaceful mentality. And, and Mike's gonna share that with you today, his journey. He's an amazing human. He is someone that we can all learn from. This is the kind of person who starts revolutions and inspires us to do the same. So without any further ado, let's hop into an amazing discussion with my friend, Mr. Mike Abramowitz. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Eternal Optimist Podcast, the show for optimists by optimists. This is the show for people who see the good in the world and want to make a positive difference in the lives of their families and communities. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories that will get you thinking bigger and playing more offense in life. With your host and high-performance coach, Matt Drinkon. I would like to welcome to the podcast today, Mr. Mike Abramowitz. Mike, welcome, sir. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely, my friend. It's it's been amazing and captivating, you know, seeing your story unfold online and being Facebook friends and being in the front row dads together. And I love to dive straight in and first of all get into if there were three things that people might not know about you that we should know for context. What might be three things to know about you? Three things to know about me. So I am the youngest of eight and then found out recently I was the youngest of nine because my dad did the Ancestry.com test. My sister got it for him for his birthday one year and then 
surprise, he had a he's had an oopsie when he was like 18 or 19. So he has a son. So I have a brother that just came into our life like recently. Uh, so now I'm the I'm the youngest of nine. So that's fun. <laughs> wow, totally unexpected. <laughs> yeah, totally unexpected, right? So that's something not many people know from New Jersey. So that's like the family component. Well, well um, pause interruption yeah. time. How 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 do you even process that? I, I mean, I'm trying to find challenges here so we can provide hope and inspiration for our audience. This is so unexpected. How, how when you when you hear that, how do you take that in? And and what happened from there? Please. What's what's actually funny is the skeptics and the whole family was like, is this guy trying to get, because my dad's, he's 81, just turned 81. So it's like, is, your, is this guy trying to like pull one over on the family or, you know, trying to get into the will, you know? So there's always all the skeptics that showed up and then it's like, we met him. He's great. He's a great guy. Super nice. And he looks just like my dad. Like there's no denying that this guy is my dad's son. So uh, it's fun, you know, and his name is Chuck and super nice guy. I got to know him. We just recently, I, I orchestrated a sibling day for my dad's 80s first birthday. So his, my separate marriages, my mom had a first marriage, my dad had a first marriage. So there's, he, my dad had a total of five kids. So orchestrated this like little experience for him and his five kids to be in the same place at one time. So we just did that a couple of months ago and I got to know Chuck and we all got a chance to connect and talk and he's, he's a, he's a good dude. And he, his whole life didn't know who his dad was and, uh, for him to, you know, that's why he was curious. Let me just kind of take the test and see what happens. His mom is deceased and, uh, well, you know, Hey, your dad actually lives you know, an hour away from you if you want to meet them. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of interesting. How easy or hard or whatever adjective might be, how, how is that for you emotionally when this news is sprung on you or gifted to you? Like, how do you feel about that when you hear about this? For me, I was fine. I, I was like, hey, you know, it's cool. You know, I already come from a big family and I empathized a little bit to just try to move past the what the what the other skeptics might have been curious i wouldn't say skeptics but curious would be a good word and just look past it and say you know what is he you know if he does have intention what might it be and that was a question that i asked him and for him to say i just wanted to know who my dad is and it was really cool to be able to experience him and see some most of my siblings kind of welcome in right away, and then right now, you know, he's part of the family. You know, I'm flying up to New Jersey for a family uh, graduation party, and he'll be there with the rest of the fam. So it's welcoming him in, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful because there is you got to think about about like guy's probably 60 years old, you know, something like that, and for him to not know who his dad is, and he's he's a he's a grandfather. So I think he might be a great grandfather. I think, and. uh for him to have this news and know that and find out who his dad is and my dad's still alive and kicking and working six days a week. It's, 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 it's actually a quite beautiful story. Absolutely. It's wow. That's only bullet point number one. So uh, let's, 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 wow. What's bullet point number yeah. two? <laughs> bullet point number two. Bullet point number two. I'm a fairly open book, but this, this is something some people might not know is that my mom growing up the youngest of eight, my mom was my best friend. And when she was, she was, when I was 16, she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And when I was 20 is when she passed. So not many people know that I took on this experience, this life experience of having my best friend die at 20 years old was really tough while I was a, an engineering student at USF. And 
just navigating through a really, you know, unique, challenging experience that everyone will experience, but to experience that, like being a mama's boy early in life, kind of set a trajectory for me to grow up and into manhood. And without that, like that motherly figure through my 20s was, was quite the challenge and also quite the gift all at the same time. So that's something maybe people know, maybe they don't know. All right. Well, I feel that might be the challenge. You may come back to that in in a minute. But since I asked you for three, is there a third one you can come up with? (laughs) (laughs) So a third one, there's there's more. Oh, Matt, don't. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do a 3A, 3B. So 3A would be just the ups and downs of my 20s to navigate through that circumstance. Like I I had uh, three rental properties and the market collapsed and was had a credit score of like 400 and negative $130,000 in my mid 20s. And now in my mid 30s to be able to build that thing back up to an 800 credit score and have five businesses and be able to recover from what what was a the, I call the valleys of my 20s and now being in my 30s that would be 3A and the reason why I say 3A because that prepared me navigating through the valleys of my 20s prepared me for the ultimate challenge of my 30s which was my wife and I started wanting to start our family and my wife and I got married in 2017. And when we started trying for kids 2018, we realized with me having a level of male infertility that that not many people know. So we had to start the IVF journey. And through the IVF journey had tremendous ups and downs and a lot mostly downs and just this roller coaster of emotion. And then having a stillbirth at 20 months or 20, yeah, 20 weeks stillbirth. Uh, with our first one. And then our second one, James, was born born at 26 weeks at one pound, four ounces. And we were in the hospital with him for 254 days. So for eight and a half months, and that was pretty much all of 2021. So the valley of the 20s, that's why I say navigating through that, I think was really good preparation to navigate through the uncertainties of starting a family during my 30s. I'm I'm speechless in awe, a little emotional here because I've seen some of the journey that that you've shared, and I think well, we've just laid the, the the chess field out here. We can go back to one of the moves here because we're. I, I would love to go as much as we can. I'd love to go back to you know bullet point number two. Just your and I don't even want to call it bullet point number two. Let's just your mom and the amazingness of of your mom being a mama's boy being so close to your mom and then from age 16 to 20 there are some challenges can you take us through some of the challenges there mike please sure the first one was deciding to leave new jersey to go to college in usf so i sat her she sat me on the couch and i said you know i got into these schools in florida i'd really like to go to florida for college and for her to be able to influenced me to make the decision to be able to do that, to trust my intuition, to leave New Jersey was was a really impactful conversation that she had with me saying like, I'll, I'll be a plane right away. So, you know, if any, if you need anything or whatever, we're just a plane right away and just giving me the confidence to trust intuition to go to Florida and leave New Jersey and be able to have some level of my independence that I knew I wanted was, was really impactful. That was closer to that 17 year old range. And then when I left for college, she went into remission. So I had enough confidence to go and, you know, pursue and, you know, finish my freshman year. But then the cancer came back after I finished my freshman year. So she went back in the hospital again. That's when I was 20. So 2005. 
And um, the doctors said, don't get back on the plane. You know, she's probably only, only has about a week left. The cancer came back really aggressive. So I had the next conversation was really impactful and memorable with my mom. And that's where she demonstrated. She's like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to fight this thing. Like, just come home next weekend. And that was it. I said, that was, she gave me the courage to get back on the plane. She's like, you worked really hard to get into college. And, you know, so I got back on the plane to not drop out of college because that's what I was going to do was to just drop out and stay home. And she encouraged me not to. So I got back on the plane. That was one of the hardest decisions because that week was filled with a lot of uncertainty, but got back, went back Friday night, took the plane, got on the midnight train and met her and she was there. No problem. And to get back on the plane again, to go back to college. So I did that 26 times over the next eight months. So it was just like one week at a time, just one week at a time, one, you know, and that's kind of what we lived in just these little, these little pockets of time. And she fought. I, I, you know, I did what I needed to do. And then we, we got the ultimate phone call when I was running my branch 2006, I, I was running a branch for Cutco. So I was going through the management training and selling and going through my grades, 20 year old Mike got the ultimate call while, you know, in June it's like, you know, your mom, you know, my brother called me. She, he's like, you got to come home right now. I'm like, but you don't understand. I just, we just spent all this money and I just launched my startup business. And he's like, it doesn't matter. You got to come home. She's not going to make it through the night. So caught the flight, shut the business down, like went, went home, had a team that I built and made it there at 11 PM. And then she passed away at 1 AM. So that, so she was fighting for those last, however many hours, just until I got there's my belief. And as soon as she knew I was there, said my goodbyes. And uh, I mean, it's, it was a traumatic experience to, to be in the, uh, in the room with her and, you know, watch, watch the life lead of her body was, was traumatic. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, to experience that at 20 years old was tough. And when I was very, was even more tough, not, I wouldn't say even more tough, but to add to the toughness was when I said, I, I made a commitment to my people and to my business to, after the funeral, a couple of days, I went back to my business and everyone quit. So my team that I built, the 12 to 15 reps and staff and everyone, my receptionist, all of them quit because they didn't get paid for a week. They didn't, you know, I wasn't there. They relied on me. And that was such a gut, a, a hit to the gut for me at 20 to say, I, I, I'm not good enough. You know, am I enough? Am I, is, am I in the right place? And my mentor at the time, Matt King and, you know, John Hoffenberg were really strong and really supportive and helpful. And I just, said, let's build it back up again. And it was a good positive distraction. So went out, recruited some more people and um, ended up finishing the summer as number one office in the division, did about a hundred thousand that summer. I personally sold 20 grand from scratch and went to counseling that fall to grievance counselor and learned how to journal and learn how to process my emotions and just proper self-care, devoured how to win friends and influence people so I can learn how to become a better leader so my people wouldn't quit on me the next time. And I took a lot of responsibility and autonomy over what what I deemed was what was the lesson I really needed to learn during this time and just kept kept focus. And so that's 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 a pretty long answer to to the question, but that was that was the kind of the gap there. Wow. You know? I mean you you just became Mike right there in front of me. You just, you unendured the most challenging situation. You came back in an even more challenging situation on the business side of things. So intense personal life 
decision and then you know business decision all these things are happening and then you figure out a way to keep going to go and, and make the business happen to invest back in yourself and work on it so there's there's a there's a place in there that someone else might not have gotten back up off the canvas and somehow after enduring the emotional pain of your mother passing and then going through back and forth 26 times and enduring the pain of that, coming back and enduring the, the, the gut punch of your business going down after all of that, what in your mind happened that, that caused you to keep going, to get back up? Help us understand that because that's, that's the hope. That's the, I can do it too. If, help us walk through how you did that, Mike, please. And that's where the gift of what my mom and my dad have taught me. I mean, my, my, my dad is still 81 years old, still running his plumbing business. You know, he's six days a week, still running his plumbing business. And the ambition that I've learned from him and the drive to continue to just press forward and just work, work hard. I, I learned from him and with my mom, I mean, gosh, for the, the, the moral courage and the, the, the example that she set of what it means to just fight and to press forward despite obstacles i was able to experience them not just witness it but i experienced it so it's it's kind of what i knew it's kind of what i saw and then um it's hard to put into words like to contextualize but there's 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 got to be this calling this this like whether it be a a not getting so religious or spiritual but there there is been like this pull or calling that I'm capable. You know, there's like this whisper that of like, I always like to think I have like an old soul, you know, and and just I know I I know I can muscle through this. And it's like this this feeling that my life is being used as a demonstration of overcome. And that's why there's all these obstacles that have kind of shown up during this from being overweight as a kid and overcoming that and all those little things that overcoming the pimples and the braces and bullied and being bullied as a kid. And then the, the next chapter of mom and then the next chapter of my college roommate dying. And then the next chapter of the, the market collapse with the, you know, the money situation and the next obstacles with, with James and everything. So it's like, I feel like my calling is to prove that, I'm, I'm, I overcome and, and I, 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 I have that whisper. It's like, no matter what, I, I know I can press forward. There's this persistence that I've been blessed with. And if I have that gift, many, I think everyone has the gift. I just had the, the, the ability to reveal what mine was and I just needed to continue to play to that. So between witnessing my mom and experiencing her and experiencing and witnessing my dad, and then truly believing that I, I have this, this old soul whisper it's like persistence is what you're here to demonstrate for the world and play to that gift i think that's what kind of keeps me pushing forward i feel that i'm sitting here in the front row observing and witnessing a master class in emotional intelligence and how to overcome i'm feeling the title of this episode might be how to overcome anything and it's, it's your calling i i feel it deeply by listening to you share it because you're so congruent when you share it mike and i I, I'm just in awe to hear it. So thank you for that gift, first of all. Is there more? Well, let's go to 3A. <laughs> I mean, wow, this is, uh, this is deep already. Let's, let's go to, well, you've navigated losing mom and then, and then into your 20s, you navigated the business, the initial business challenge of opening the branch and the things that happened there. And then you started to tell a story 
of three rental properties and then going into debt and then having a 400 credit score. I mean, I'm not making light of it, but I'm curious, how do you get a 400 credit score? Because that, that's, <laughs> that's, how does that even happen? That takes a lot of skill. That's, you gotta, you gotta mess up, you gotta mess up big time to, to do that. So, well, help us on the uh, journey from three rental yeah, properties the, in debt, 400 credit score up to the five businesses, 800 credit score. There's a story there. Please uh, narrate that story. So the, the story is when mom got sick and all that whole situation, I knew that I wanted to create the independence for myself. So I bought my first house when I was 20. My dad, when, when, before I was born, he was big into real estate and he had like 20 different units and whatnot. And then he sold them at the wrong time. <laughs> he sold like 20 units for like 25 grand back in like the seventies or something. Like it was, you know, those would probably be, I mean, they're worth millions at this point. So uh, he just didn't hold on to them and whatever. But so he, I, I got that bug and I said, you know, let me, let me try to do it. And, and I just drove an old hoopty car. I took my old bar mitzvah money and saved and got the first property and you know, rented it out to college students over at USF. So I lived in one room and rented out the others. And I, I like to think I'm a serial entrepreneur and at least had that spirit. I, growing up, I used to have a vending machine in my house. I bought a vending machine at a garage sale for 50 bucks. And then I would stack it up with candy bars. I'd buy them four for a dollar when they went on sale. And then I would go to like Planned Parenthood and get like condoms and put them in there and sell them for like a dollar. And like I would go, and then I would throw a big the condoms from the vending machine at your house. You would. <laughs> oh, I'll, well, this is the point is, is I would throw a huge party at my house when my parents would go away and I would have the vending machine and, and I would buy a keg like my older sibling would get a keg and I would buy sell five dollars a cup and then the vending machine would almost sell out during the party. So I would turn like a three, four hundred dollar profit on a on a party on a Friday night in high school. So it's like this. So, so I, I, you know, I kind of had a little entrepreneurial spirit here and there, but um so at the first house, 20, and then at 21, with my mom's life insurance money, I bought a condo in Naples after I branched. And then at 22, there was a, a, a house that I came in contact with that was up for auction. So I bought it at the right time. So I had these three properties, and it was really good. I was renting them out. I was, while being a college kid and selling Cutco and going through my management training. And um, then I was 22, it was really good. 23 was good. 24, the market starts declining. 25, the market's declining. And now the the roommates fill in the rooms. The demand was so high for rentals that I couldn't I couldn't fill the rent. Like I couldn't fill it. So I would just have to get anyone who was willing to pay. So then I was just filling in with the whoever was willing to pay at the point. So I didn't hemorrhage that much. And then between paying the mortgages and the taxes and the insurance and the utilities and all that, and not having some rent filled in, and then it got worse because these people that were I was renting to stopped paying. And then they vandalized the property. Two, two of the properties got vandalized. They stole all my stuff. Like I had a pool table in one of them, TVs, refrigerators, couches. Like they just went in and stole all my stuff. And it was just, it was a mold breakout in one of the houses too. So I actually had to abandon. I actually abandoned two of the properties, two of the three, because there was nothing I could do. And I owed a lot of money to the banks. So they sent me into collections and judgments. And I, I was near bankruptcy. I, was, I had an attorney that counseled me to not declare bankruptcy, but I was very close because I was in so much debt. And when everything was all said and done, I was negative $130,000. That's how much money I, was, I ended up spending and losing trying to like salvage these properties and 
bring it back. And I was just fighting while I was running my district office. This is the other stuff that was happening on the background. And it was, it was really incongruent because I was also in a, in a relationship, a committed relationship. We were together for seven years and then like trying to show up for her, trying to show up for the business, trying to fight for, for these properties. So eventually I just, I kind of surrendered to the properties and walked away and you know, you get two, two foreclosures on the, on the credit score. That's the, that's how you get to that 400. So if you want a masterclass on how to get to a 400, that's how you do it. <laughs> I don't know. Can we sell that class somewhere online? That's, that's how to get to 400. Uh, wow. So wow. it took, yeah, it was, it was challenging because I, I just had no, I, the choice was either bankrupt and work it off for seven years or just try to just try to walk away, suffer the potential consequences with these judgments and all that. And that's what I decided just to walk away, see what the, see if the banks come after me for the judgments and due to the marketplace, there were so many people that were dealing with the same thing I was dealing with. So it wasn't just the Mike Abramowitz thing. It's like these banks weren't going to come after my $120,000. They were going to go after the million dollar deficit. So I trusted that and it worked out in my favor in that sense. So once I weathered that storm, I went through credit repair and got secured credit cards and you know how to rebuild that credit score back up. And then that's that's kind of what happened there. Uh, as far as getting out of that mound of debt, I mean, uh, running a district office and just chipping away at it year after year. I mean, that's 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 really what I ended up doing. And the big breakthrough came in 2012 when I went to my first Tony Robbins event. Matt King brought me and the, uh, the other managers, went to a Tony Robbins event, walked across fire 2012, 2013. And that's where I realized my mess is my message. And it was a huge, huge light bulb for me. My mess is my message. Like, holy shit, like all the stuff that I've learned is my chance to teach. And that's when I got inspired to, uh, I filled up like a couple pages in a journal and that's the birthplace of Grab Tomorrow. That was the birthplace of now, what is nine books? I started, I spoke to 300, for, for 300 hours that year to the school system just to craft what that message is and crafted the first book, Your Best, Grab Tomorrow, Your Best Forever. And then I launched that book that became an Amazon number one bestseller in the, in the first day, first couple of weeks. And it was fun to kind of launch that and learn from it. And then I turned it into a course that I sold that course to the schools in, in the area. So they started teaching my books as a curriculum inside the school system, which was really beautiful. And then it just like kind of took a little small pivot where I realized it was like, there's not that much money in the school system <laughs> and the school system is kind of tough place. So I kind of pivoted the marketplace to start helping more of the entrepreneurs and business owners and even even more like the parents with coaching and consulting and helping them tap into their genius, tap into business systemization. That's kind of what I've been doing since about 2019 now is, is helping that demographic with automation, delegation, systemization. And um, now there's a few businesses that I do that with and, and uh, we're, we've, we've climbed our way out of the debt. You know, we're, we're pacing our way towards about, you know, we're, you know, an open book where we're probably at about 400,000 in, in net worth and, you know, savings and investments and stuff right now. So going within 10 years to go from negative 130,000 with a 400 credit score to near a half a million dollars with an 800 credit score. It's been a, it's been quite the journey, but it's very expensive right now with James because uh, James, hence three B, it's very expensive. My wife is not able to work. You know, she's a full time mom and medical mom now, and I'm a medical dad, and so that kind of is 
forcing creativity. It's forcing us to just think think differently on how we could add value to the marketplace even more and in a different way. So wow. that's that's where three D comes into play. But yeah, that, that's the that's again that long answer to three A. Yeah. Today's sponsor for the Eternal Optimist podcast is Be Kind. Be kind to yourself. Offer yourself some patience and some grace. When you're being critical of self, pause for a moment, take a breath, ask yourself, what's important right now? Be kind to yourself. Patience and grace for yourself. And while you're at it, be kind to others. Seek first to understand from the perspective of others and then be understood. Walk a mile in their shoes first before rushing to judgment. Overall, be kind. Today's sponsor for the Eternal Optimist podcast. Wow, holy cannoli. You've just shared another life's worth of challenges all in just a short period in the 20s and the early 30s. And I want to appreciate you again for this because, wow, you were going through all of the foreclosure, potential bankruptcy, the property stuff while you're running a full-time business with many people that are looking up to you, looking for you for guidance, employees, sales representatives. How did you muster up the courage, the focus, the energy to be able to go to work every day and lead your organization while in the background, you've got all these, this rental stuff that's happening that's like tearing apart the back end of it. I mean, how did you do that? It's a great question. And the, the very short response is that's why I do what I do now, which is personal growth and self-development, because I immersed myself into being a student of life. I read a lot. I learned a lot. I just, I kept feeding my mind. There was one point, such a low moment. I don't, I, I'm, I'm refraining myself from cursing. I don't know if we could curse on the Extreme Pop Optimist podcast, but. I'm optimistic that you can find a way to do it or not. Either way. I slipped once and I'm like, oh shoot, I probably shouldn't have. You know, Does slipped, that mean but, that I have to put uh, the explicit label now on the podcast? I don't know. I'm, I'll do, I'm not going to slip again. So I'm like catching myself. I, I will say that there was a very low moment. My car broke down and I had, a, I was in my suit and I had a walk to my office, which was like two miles away. And I'm like, sweating by the time I got to the office is like, this sucks, man. This is just not to go run an interview. And I'm like, this is just, there's, there's gotta be something more that I'm missing. Or so I went to the, I went to the library and I rented, I got a library card and I, I got like maybe five or six or seven books from Tony Robbins, Awaken the Giant Within, and, you know, just Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, a couple of the classics, Think and Grow Rich, you know, and I just went to the library, whatever was in the self-help section, just got them. And that was the first time that I sat in my room and I didn't read every page of the books. I'm not, this wasn't one of those stories. It was, I flipped and I skimmed through and I would see something I liked in the table of contents. I would go to that chapter and I gave myself permission to just change my perspective. That was it. Like I, so I, I grabbed a book, read the table of contents. I was like, all right, I can read that chapter. I'll read some pages there. All right grabbed my journal, wrote some things down, grabbed the next book, went to the table of contents. Yep. I need to learn that, you know, and I just intentionally learned to just fill my mind with something different than what was. And wow. How can I say that the universe, you know, responded the way I would want? It wasn't like overnight, but again, that persistence just eventually paid off because that, 
that was 2000, maybe 2009, 2010, something like that. And we, we ended up doing, I don't know, a half a million dollars in sales that, that year and recovered and had a decent development class, but it's, it was hard. I'm not saying it was like, Oh my God, it was so easy. But my staff didn't know. My people didn't know because it was like what I do in private was all about me. And I lived dirt cheap, Matt. Like I was living on Salsuna, you know? Is that like a ramen noodle thing from Florida? Salsuna? What is Salsuna that? Salsuna <laughs> is a Micah Bromwitz concoction that uh, is called, it's a can of tuna fish mixed with salsa. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. Amazing. That is Salsuna. And I would eat that because it was decent protein. Like peanut butter and jelly is like, okay, but, but it's just like not healthy, not, not a lot of sugar and stuff. So I would eat, you know, Salsuna, tuna. Canned tuna and salsa, and I would sometimes, if I wanted to splurge, I would get wheat thins, and I would eat it. I would eat. I would eat that like three times a day. I could eat that for like under five dollars a day. I mean, I would just. That's what I did. I was just shoestring budget, living dirt cheap on the in, on the inside. It was just me, whatever. Uh, at that point, my my relationship ended, and um, I just went on it on a, in the tunnel, as uh, Allison Armstrong would say. Just went through the tunnel and introspection and learn as much as I could about me and what my favorite things are and who I am and what I'm called to be. And, but yeah, my, my staff wouldn't have been able to know my people wouldn't know I showed up for them, but I also showed up for myself in private so I could be for them in public. It's amazing that when you're faced with so much adversity, your response is overcome. Your response is to go back to just use some of the thing you've got to be able to just press forward. You've got to set the example for your people. No matter what the obstacle is, you've got to go deep inside and find a way. And you go to the library when this big challenge happens. And if someone's listening, they, they forgot, this is in Florida and it's super hot in Florida. So <laughs> in the summer, <laughs> in the summer, you decide to go to the library, get five or seven books, read some, some things that fill you, fill your soul, nurture you, help you grow. And you shared some one more big detail that I don't want to gloss over. You talked about going from $130,000 in debt up to a place with a few hundred thousand dollars in net worth. Now, if you look at that timeline alone right there, that is an amazing feat, an amazing accomplishment. And some may say that that is a little, most will say that is, that is tremendous. So you got back down and you, you found a way and it's your calling. And you're serving people in a positive way. So I just wanted to share the respect and love for you. I'm, I'm inspired right now. I'm I'm ready to go make some calls and, and serve some people right now. This is this is awesome. I appreciate that, Matt. That's that's very kind. And and it's it is interesting because I do believe that everyone has the capability. I am like I'm the epitome of what it just means to just be dedicated and work and and be disciplined. I, the daily disciplines. It's it's something we're all we're all capable of doing. I just have demonstrated it and strengthened that muscle over and over again. And that kind of led to 3B, which is when life throws us curveballs that we are not expecting at all, the only way we're going to be able to navigate them th through them with the least amount of consequence, that's that's the most important. I think all of us will be able to navigate through and, and you know, as long as we don't take ourselves out of the game, which unfortunately is what many people do is they'll just divorce or they'll suicide or they'll just quit or whatever it might be. And they, they use these other alternatives. So as long as they don't take themselves out of the game, they'll eventually make through it. 
but the goal is not to just get through it. It's to get through it with the least amount of consequence, which is what can I get from this? And what am I, what is this here to teach me? And then how can I use this as a gift to help other people? And all of us can do that if we reframe the questions. And I'm not saying it's easy. I mean, this, this was very hard. It was very challenging. And uh, it still is. I could hear the alarms beeping next door. My wife and my son are next door. He's, he's on a ventilator right now. And he could decay and lead himself at any point in time. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. We make it look easy, but we're, it's not that it's, we just get better. You know, what's the saying? Like runners don't all of a sudden running doesn't get easier. It's just, we get better. And that's kind of the same life. If we're, if we choose to allow our past to, to give us lessons and strength to help us with our future, then we can draw those lessons and use them for, use them for good with the least amount of consequence. I wonder when you say, what is this here to teach me? This this experience you just shared next door in the room next door, you're hearing the ventilator, the sound, the, the machine. What might that be teaching you right now in the moment in your life, Mike? Well, that's a great, great question, Matt, because I find myself here in my home office, like I'll do calls, Zoom, Zoom hop-in, coaching, consulting, meetings, whatnot. And then I'll go into the next door and, you know, play with James for a little bit and see him. And then I'm coming back in here. And there's some times where I find myself like holding him or playing him. But my, in my mind, I'm like, I got to go back to what I was doing. And then I ask myself, these, this is the series. These are the micro series of what's happening behind the scenes. And this could really help somebody because I, I, I had to do some meditation to create this awareness, which is why am I doing what I'm doing in the other room? And I play out the series. I'm doing the I'm doing the meetings. I'm doing the coaching, so that way I can have the time and the resources to spend time with my son, who I'm holding right now. And in that moment is where I give myself the permission to say, "Okay, let me just enjoy this moment right now," because this is I'm working hard to enjoy this moment. I just don't, I don't need to enjoy this moment in the future. I I really need to learn how to enjoy this moment now. And the reason why, and this is the big light bulb moment for me, and maybe it is for you as a listener, is if we're constantly chasing after a future moment, that future moment might never exist. So therefore, let me enjoy this present moment if I'm able to, because if I'm chasing constantly, how do I how do I know that I, my future self is not going to convince my future self that I constantly need to work towards another future moment? And I'm I'm choosing consciously to interrupt that pattern and try to find the negotiation with myself to so no, 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 I need to enjoy this now. And that's that's still a practice, Matt. So what I'm learning is that is that practice is what I'm learning to enjoy that moment in my present self versus trying to create this really beautiful future moment that I could enjoy that I'm working really hard towards. And that's, that's what James is really teaching me a ton right now. That's my immediate answer. I'm sure there's other answers for sure. That's the immediate one. No, thank you. I I appreciate the answer. I think it's something many of us struggle with. It's the question of when it comes to the resources or creating the future, someday I will retire and I'll be able to enjoy it. Or someday I will make a million dollars a month or a million dollars a year and I'll be rich and then I can enjoy it. Someday I'll have enough. And what I'm feeling you're sharing is that enough or peace or enjoyment or it's all 
right here in front of us when we learn how to enjoy the moment or be present in the moment when you get down to it. That's what I'm feeling. And I, and and I that's wonder. What I'm lear- and that's what I'm learning. That's what I'm learning. <laughs> is, so That's the challenge. <laughs> so yeah. is there a moment, whether it was a day ago, a year ago, or you've always known it, is there a time when you became highly aware of being present in the moment and enjoying that moment uh, is what it might be all about? I think it's a series of moments. The first one that immediately popped in my mind is I, I just talked about this on our, our Better Than Rich show episode is when James was in the incubator in the hospital, he was one pound, four ounces. And this is a last year. There was so much uncertainty. It was around the time where you reached out to me and we're super grateful. You know, I was super grateful for your token of gratitude with some journal prompts to help me kind of get refocused on some things. And, and it was really super helpful. And I made a list of all the data activities that I'm looking forward to do with James. So this was all the data activities that, that I, was, I would look forward to do. And there's like 50 or 60 or 70 activities. And, and I would read them to him while he's in the incubator and there's like glass between us. We couldn't touch him. My wife couldn't hold him for until Valentine's Day. He was born New Year's Eve. So, you know, two months, almost two months that we couldn't touch him. And I would look at this list and read this list of, and I would keep adding to the list you know, you know, one, you know, I can't wait, or I'm looking forward to the day when we're going to play basketball, we're going to play catch in the yard, we're going to go rent motorcycles, we're going to go firewalk at Tony Robbins, we're going to do a PB&J feeding frenzy together, we're going to, you know, go to the batting cages, play around a golf, we're, we're going to, you know, go to Dino World, Disney World, Bush Gardens, the zoo, and like, just saying all these things. And, and as this kid is fighting for his life, and there's so much unpredictability and uncertainty, but calling forward this this vision and calling forward this like positive energy it was not easy and it was almost like incongruent but that practice of let me let me just do this let me repeat this let me go for it 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 made a difference for me to be able to show up for for my wife and you know for show up for others show up for myself because it gave me that feeling like we're talking about is just that that feeling of peace and presence in this moment right now. That and that's that was a tool essentially that helped me feel that feeling to find certainty within the uncertainty is really what it comes down to, is to bring that that mountainous, stationary feeling to such an unpredictable circumstance. Mm. Well, that's one that immediately comes up because I, I just talked about it on our podcast, but there's there's probably there's definitely others, but if if there's someone out there that hears this and they're they're starting to catch on, understand, I wonder what might be a, a place that they might start a piece of advice that you can offer around. I want to be able to be more present. I want to be able to enjoy, it. but I just have so many heavy, hard things right now, and they're overwhelming to me, Mike. I mean, how might I start on this journey to recovery or enjoyment? I'm I'm a firm believer in the seasons of life, and I, I, that's a great book by Jim Rohn. And if I'm hearing you right, Matt, this person that we're talking to is probably in a winter season of life. So, if they're stuck, you know, and or if they're trying to move forward but they're feeling like they're being pulled behind, like that's a winter season because it's almost like the the, the description, the way I describe it is, and the way I interpret it is, is if you're 
have all these plans to go out and it's like, oh, spring is here and you think it's spring and you're planning all these activities with the family and you're ready to go enjoy the weather and all this. And all of a sudden this big snow blizzard comes in and now all your plans are changed. So we have a couple of, we really have three options with winter. We could go out in the snow and shovel away all the snow and hopefully all this snow goes away. And by the time that does go away, we're fatigued and tired and we can't even go pursue spring because we're so tired from shoveling all the snow. Option two is go grab the skis, go grab the sleds, change the plans and enjoy the snow. Or option three is sit by the fire, grab a book, reflect, learn, draw out the lessons and come up with what is what I call the MVP, the minimum viable product and the MVP of your tiny actions daily. I didn't come up with MVP, but MVP of your TADS. So MVP TADS is what I call it, your minimum viable product of your tiny actions daily. So your MVP TADS, what is the minimum that you feel like you can do with your tiny actions daily that can move you closer, not further away from the goals that you have? And for me, my MVP TAD was what I shared. I made the list of the dad activities and I read them to my son. That was an MVP TAD. The other MVP TAD was walking, motion. Motion creates emotion. So I got a, I got a Fitbit and I just walked. And my goal was to, could I hit 60,000 steps a week? And, you know, just motion, movement. So if I can do movement and if I could also do like reading an affirmation or reading a goals or reminding myself of something that is important to me, that's an MVP TAD when I was in a winter season. And so if you're in that winter, that's two things I could do. The set, the third thing I would do is remind yourself that when winter ends, spring always does follow winter. Always. Spring is always going to follow winter. So understanding winter is only temporary. This is not a permanent place. There's no such thing as permanence with the seasons. This, so you get to from winter, spring follows. When this season is over, when you are done with whatever you're feeling, you need to aggressively plant those seeds for the things that are important to you and chase them down. And that's, I mean, my winter season in the hostel was eight and a half months. And as soon as I got out, September, we got out September 10th. On September 11th, I started planting seeds for the next business venture. I spent the 30 days, I signed up for all these courses and all of these different ways to learn what is my genius. I, I, Matt, I, Matt King and I met up for lunch and I listed off all of my things. I'm like, what, 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 should, I per, what should I aggressively pursue to replace my wife's 75,000 a year? Like, what, what do I need to do? And he said, whatever you do, you're going to do great at. Just, just commit. And, and that's when I made the commitment. I said, all right, boom. I launched a coaching business. And that coaching that that coaching business is now producing sixty five hundred dollars in month in MRR monthly recurring revenue. And then I launched a separate business, which is for better than rich, with what I partnered with. And that business is producing eleven thousand five hundred a monthly recurring revenue. So from that moment at zero, went from zero to seventeen thousand five hundred dollars in MRR from that decision of saying, all right, it's springtime, planting all the seeds for these business ventures. And then summer season is where I'm at now, where it's just like, all right, I got to work, you know, yeah. lots of calls, lots of coaching, lots of work and, and fostering relationships and doing all of that. And then eventually fall is going to come. And when fall season comes, that's where I'll take a little step back. I'll reevaluate, see where I'm at. And that's probably where we'll grow and probably where we'll scale and, and maybe take a vacation and, and just enjoy some of those fruits of the labor and plant the seeds for the next spring or protect the resources for when winter season happens again. So that, that, that's a, again, long winded answer of 
how I would navigate that question, which is if I'm in a tough spot, just know the seasons of life and how to navigate through those different seasons. This is awesome. Mike, wow. Can you share with us, how do we get in contact with you, find out what you're doing? What, what kind of offer do we have for the listeners today? Just tell us more, please. Sure. Well, we have the be- we have the podcast called the Better Than Rich Show, and I say we. It's my business partner, Andrew Biggs, for Better Than Rich. So we help busy entrepreneurs just learn how to systemize their life and systemize their business, connect into purpose, connect into vision, and and learning how to just leverage other delegate, specifically leveraging delegation and automation in order to give them a little bit more free time to do the things that they either want to do or spend more time in their revenue producing activities. So it's a, it's a really good podcast. If if you're interested in helping PB&J for Tampa Bay, so we are uh, feeding the homeless once a month. So tomorrow, actually, we're going to hit our 100,000th meal that we started back in 2015. So we, we started with 300 sandwiches. We made at one, one sit, made 300 sandwiches. And seven years later, we're going to make our 100,000th sandwich. So, and now that we hit that milestone, I want to expand to PB&J for USA, which we already started and we've had feeding frenzies in Minnesota. Uh, actually, Dane Espigard, who's been a guest on your show, he's done one. We've had, uh, we had one in California. We had one in Arizona, Texas, uh, New Jersey. So all over. So if you're listening and you want to do a, a random act of kindness and, and partner up, that'd be really cool. So that's on Facebook or PBNJ for Tampa Bay.com. You know, you could join us for that movement as we continue to give good to the world. I'm all over social media. And so we are, I, I would love, I created a, a little workbook called Tad for Business Owners. Tad for Business Owners is Tiny Actions Daily, as I alluded to, but that this is like about a 12 or 13 page step-by-step guide on how you can look at your business and just ask some questions, key questions to help you get from where you are to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And it's about 12 pages of really, really, really great questions that I, I truly believe if you run a business and you go through this activity, you can have a really an excellent business plan mapped out. And then if you want more and you want to, you know, workshop it even more, we could hop on a free discovery call and and I'd be glad to dissect your business a little bit. And then from there, we can kind of see where the, what happens. If, if there's any way for me to help, I will. And I'll include that in the show notes, a, a link to that website and where that offer is. And Mike, just thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story. It's inspirational. You're an inspiration and thank you for everything. Thanks so much, my friend. I look forward to connecting again soon. Thanks for listening to the Eternal Optimist podcast. You can check the show notes for information about today's episode. And please share the show with that friend who is wanting to think bigger. We'll see you next time.